able to avoid the rush. Pressured, and Ellinger's brought down by Latrell. Snap clean. Kick on the way. No good. And Iowa State wins in Austin for the first time since 2010. This is the Thursday episode of the High Motor Podcast, the college football betting episode of the High Motor Podcast. Andrew Dowdy and Chase Kitty here entering week 14, what should have been conference championship weekend. Now we're looking at week 14 uh, with not the best, not the sexiest slate of games, but we do have the sexiest man all of Richmond VA here to break it down. Whoa. Make you some money before the holidays. It is a big city. Only one top 25 versus top 25 game this weekend. I think it's only one. I think it's only Wisconsin, Indiana, and yes. Coastal only... Liberty. Oh, Liberty's not in the... Never mind. You did go to uh, Whiskey Nightcap last night. Take it was time. It was a little it was late night, late morning. Late start for your boy over here. We're recording this at 545 Eastern right now. We had to push this 15 minutes because Chase was still hungover and not ready. That's all true. This is Wednesday at 5.45 p.m. Eastern. All I'm true. not sure what happens to a hangover between 5.15 and 5.30, 5.45, but maybe apparently something. You get some wheatgrass in there. Maybe a, maybe a shot at Tabasco. You're really feeling it. We do have some intriguing games and lines nonetheless, so I want to start here uh, looking at BetMGM. Again, we're talking here on Wednesday nights. So these might change just a little bit before uh, Friday and Saturday. Indiana-Wisconsin, Wisconsin at home, 14.5-point favorites. The total there pretty low in the mid-40s, 45-and-a-half. Anything about this game interests you? I don't really want to touch this because I don't know what's going on with Penix. Uh, right now, Wisconsin is, is laying that kind of number. you got to be careful with Indiana because I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right on this. They have covered every game so far this year. So... At some point, you are lining up to give your money away when you're betting against them. A double, especially, when you consider how good they are and the fact that they're catching two full touchdowns here. But this line has clearly uh, been impacted by his status. And so I don't really want to mess with this until I have more information. And even if he does go, but he is limited, I don't really want to touch this. I have no confidence that Wisconsin is going to beat a good Indiana team by this margin. I still struggle to kind of figure out exactly what Wisconsin is and what we're getting out of them this year. Uh, and, and Indiana's status is up in the air. So I just there's better opportunities on the board, and I'm just going to watch this game uh, and, and enjoy it without any sort of leverage on it. Really quickly, before I go to Alabama LSU, if Pinnix was 100% no concern at all, where do we think this would be at? Maybe 9.5 or 10 in that ballpark? Um, the game's at Camp Randall, right? Yeah. Yep. I would think it would be, I don't know, in the three to four range, probably. I you mean, think I this mean, is moving a full 10 with him? Yeah, I, I think so. Wow. I mean, I, I don't see how Indiana would be like north of a touchdown underdog. That just seems like way wow. too many points to give away. Let's do Alabama LSU in Baton Rouge. Uh, they finally got off the schneid last year with their first win since, I believe, pre-BCS championship game back of that 2011 season, the, the 2012 BCS national championship game with that win last year, that shootout. They're in Baton Rouge this week in Alabama, a heavy 
four-touchdown favorite, 28-and-a-half at LSU. Is that too big of a number for you? Did that Texas A&M game change your opinion at all again, or all for LSU, or was it mostly A&M just did not look that good? Uh, probably a little bit of both, which is usually what the case is. But I think you, if you've watched LSU post-Mississippi State, they have improved throughout the year, which I think you know I, I've spent a considerable amount of time on this podcast bashing a certain head coach at Louisiana State University. I think you have to give him and his staff credit for, even though it was clearly a lost season very quickly, and it's you know one of the worst like next chapters of a reigning national championship that we've seen in a while. It's not a knock; it's just a fact. Uh, I, I think you got to give him credit for how he has made the team better and not just kind of given up and quit on the season. Uh, I do think they've gotten better. I do think this line is a little too big. I don't know that I'm willing to put any sort of big bet on it, but Alabama, in a spot like this, just had your big rivalry win, and you looked good doing it, but you just had your big rivalry win. Now you got to go on the road to Baton Rouge, Obviously, with COVID, home field advantage is not everything that it has been historically, but it's still a tough place to play, generally speaking, and this is a lot of points. Once this goes north of 28, which it is right now, you're talking about winning by north of four touchdowns on the road against an improving LSU team, and for LSU, this is the last big game they're going to play this year. This is kind of it. So... I feel like if you want to be on this game, it's LSU or pass. As a home dog of almost 30 points, that's the side that I would want to be on. Uh, and I'm going to talk a, a, a fairly you know, significant amount about teasers this episode probably when we start to get into best bets. So I would mark this game down as a potential teaser opportunity with LSU if you really want to be a little more conservative going against Alabama because we know what their offense can do to you this year. Yeah, let's hop into best bets. There are a lot of games, even without that sexy slate of games, there are still a lot of ones. I'm, I'm curious your opinion and what you're taking here. Uh, Louisiana is going to App State. App State a slight favorite there. Penn State a heavy road favorite uh, against Rutgers. Oklahoma State, TCU. Uh, also curious about A&M, Auburn, Texas, K-State. Where are you at with your best bets this week? Yeah, I've, I've got a few options, and then I've got some potential uh, teaser bullet points. So I'm going to start with the straight bets, just kind of going down my list here. I believe this is uh, where we have the SMU-Houston makeup game scheduled for is this week. SMU, uh, if you were not paying attention, perhaps dozing, uh, dozing off the last time I talked about this game, SMU is a two-point home dog against Houston. Why that is, I have absolutely no idea. SMU is 6-2, Houston is 3-3. Three three. I'm doing that off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure I have those right. Houston has been overvalued all year. I don't really know why. They have a decent ATS record. I think their ATS record is 3-3 three three as well. But they got it by beating up on bad teams. So, you know, they beat Navy by 16 and covered. They beat South Florida by 35 and covered. But when they play good teams, they don't cover. They don't win, they don't cover. They played Cincinnati, they lost by 28. They played UCF, they lost by 23. They played BYU, they lost by 17. So SMU is a good team. They're on the road and they're a road favorite. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. SMU confidently, probably one of my strongest bets of the week. Oklahoma. 
Uh, I would I would say here is another spot where you can feel pretty good betting on Oklahoma, who has been rolling of late. We all know that. It's November in Norman. That's kind of what goes on there these days under Lincoln Riley. Uh, the last three games, I've got in my notes, they have won the last three games by a combined 115 points. Now, those haven't been great teams that they've played, uh, with the exception of Oklahoma State, which I believe they ended up winning by four touchdowns. Now, they... Have to play Baylor at home. Baylor also not a great team. So I do think you can expect something of a route here. And I, I think the spread is fairly reasonable. I, for some reason, don't have it written down in front of me. I do have the 115 point stat written down in front of me, but I don't have the spread. I want to say it's in the like 14 to 24 neighborhood, which is a pretty yeah, big Yeah, 20, 21 and a half for Oklahoma. Okay, 21 and a half. I would take Oklahoma there. It just feels like Baylor is not going to be competitive in this. These two teams are going in different directions. Wildly disparate uh, paths they are on right now. So Sooners roll. I don't expect anything less. Um, quick note on Clemson at Virginia Tech. Um, I think Clemson is going to continue to steamroll their way to the end of the regular season. They are 22-point favorites in Blacksburg. I have been very forthright about the fact that I have not had a great feel for betting on Virginia Tech the last couple of years. Uh, so take this with a, a decent-sized grain of salt. But I would take Clemson as a 22-point road favorite. I just think Virginia Tech—I mean, this is, we've, we've, we don't need to discuss further everything going on with Virginia Tech because we've hit it ad nauseum at this point on this podcast. But it just doesn't feel like they're in the same league. So I, I'm happy to lay the 22 on the road because it feels like— This is not going to be all that competitive. Uh, You mentioned Rutgers and Penn State. Again, this is a question I feel like I've been asking a lot. What in the world has Penn State done to be an 11-point road favorite? How much do you think the Michigan game moved that, if at all? I mean, are are people watching that game like, well, Penn State's not that bad. I'm watching that game saying, holy shit, Michigan's really bad. Are there that many people watching that game that are that confident betting in Penn State? If you had asked me before I saw that line, I would have said Penn State by four or five. Where where do you get to 11, 11 and a half on this? I, I have no idea, but Rutgers has been a great cover team this year. So I am, I mean, I, I was on here last week saying the Rutgers line made so little sense to me that I thought I might just stay away from it because it smelled so weird. Rutgers covers again. Uh, so here as an 11 point home dog against a team that is one in five on the season, why am I not going to bet on Rutgers? Give me the Scarlet Knights. Uh, Oklahoma State at TCU is another one you mentioned. I don't have good numbers to back this up. I don't have you know, any sort of thing other than a gut feeling that TCU is the right side on this. This is to a lesser degree the same sort of thing I was talking about with Penn State. I'm not sure what Oklahoma State has done to merit being a road favorite against a competent team. I don't think anybody's going to tell you TCU is one of the five best teams in the Big 12 this year, but they're competent. Fort Worth can be a challenging place to play uh, just because they are good at home, not because of any sort of crazy home field advantage or anything. Uh, I, I, I kind of like the number for TCU. It makes me think the TCU is the right side to be on here. So I would take TCU as a home dog, and you're kind of just hoping for the upset at this point when it, when you're talking about a, a two-ish, two-and-a-half-point spread 
Uh, but I, I'm not at all convinced that Oklahoma State is going to win this game. Uh, how about Louisiana going to App State? Louisiana got that little number next to their name this week. Good for them. But they are a ranked team going on the road to play an unranked team, and the unranked team is the favorite. And that is historically a spot that I like to be in. So opens at 3.5. I believe it's at 2.5 right now. So App State minus 2.5. You get to the other side of that key number. Like it a lot. Give me App State. Louisiana Tech has been a team I've been very hesitant to bet on this year because I just don't think they're all that good, especially compared to what they usually are. Uh, they, they've got a lot of young new players in there, but you know, they're not all that young anymore. The season is now in December. So when I see that they are opening as a four point road favorite at North Texas, and that number has gone all the way from minus four to plus one and a half, I sense a big counter opportunity. All they have to do is go on the road and win or potentially cover that plus one and a half number, which is not totally out of the question. You do see it sometimes especially in games that come down to the wire. Maybe you go for two at the end and you miss, you lose, but you get the cover at plus one and a half. So situations like that, I think Louisiana Tech is a decent play for for that reason, because of the massive line movement. Something I've said before on this podcast, uh, when you see one team open as the favorite, but it's a small favorite, and it gets bet all the way to the other side, a lot of time, uh, a lot of the time there's a reason that initial team was the favorite. So it is often a good spot to bet in. That's kind of what we're getting into there. I like that a lot. Just a quick word I want to give on West Virginia, Iowa State. I would stay away from that game. I'm mentioning it because a lot of people, I think, have been tailing me on the West Virginia picks because I've been really good at handicapping West Virginia in the last couple of years. I would stay away from this game. Uh, West Virginia opens at plus seven. I believe it's down to six and a half now because you had some slight action on the Mountaineers as an underdog. West Virginia is a little bit like Iowa State in that you want to bet them as a dog, and they have been pretty good against the spread this year. Not great, uh, but in that sort of like six and two, five and three range, kind of depending on where you got the numbers. They've had a close, a couple of really close covers this year. You want to bet West Virginia in the underdog role, but they haven't been all that good outside of Morgantown. Iowa State hasn't been all that good as a favorite. So it's, and when you add in the fact that it's a little bit of a letdown spot, given that they have all but clinched a role in the Big 12 title game because of the big win in Austin last week, I would be hesitant to bet Iowa State, but I would also be hesitant to bet West Virginia on the road where they haven't been all that good this year. I think I might lean ever so slightly toward Iowa State at six and a half, but this is a stay away for me. Couple of teaser opportunities. I think there are a lot of really strong teaser bits that you could combine in whatever way you feel like you like. So I'm just going to lay out a few of them. A lot of them are dogs, but a couple of them are favorites. Um, and, and as a, just a general comment, I like a lot of these numbers as they are, but because a lot of these are bad teams getting big amounts of points, I might just want to jack up the number of points I'm getting just a little bit more to feel safe. So for example, I'm looking at UNLV playing Boise State at home. Boise State right now, 28-point uh, favorite. It started, it opened to 26. It's now up to 28. That's a lot of points. I'm going to argue it's too many points. Boise's been rolling these last couple weeks since, uh, since they lost uh, in that complete blowout to BYU. 
The Hawaii game looked close. It was like a 25-point game late in the fourth quarter, so don't be fooled by that. Uh, it's just kind of an improbable set of uh, penalty after penalty after penalty. They were all weak. Go back, and it was on bad beats with Scott Van Pelt. Just go back and watch it. It was pretty bad. Anyway, I kind of like UNLV in this spot. I'm probably going to tease it up from 28 just to buy myself a little extra breathing room because it feels like Boise is due for one of those. Hey, you're going to win, but you probably expected it to be a little, little bit less competitive. You know, they win by 16 instead of 30, something like that. So I, I like the spot for UNLV as a big, big home dog there. Might just jack it up just a little bit. How about, and I don't even know if your book's going to let you tease this. Your book not even, might not even have this on the board at all. Western Carolina is getting 50 points to play North Carolina. And West Carolina is not a great FCS team. But 50 points is a lot of points, especially with a North Carolina defense that has at times not been very good at stopping people. And especially a North Carolina defense that is now, after last week's loss to Notre Dame, they are pretty much formally out of it, right? They're still going to be a good team, but they're sort of dark horse ACC hopes are pretty much gone at this point. So I think that Western Carolina could be an interesting cover team. Like I said, I have serious doubts that your book will carry this game or allow you to tease this game. But if they do, that is a very interesting opportunity, even if you can only get a couple extra points out of it. Um, let's see. Florida is laying 17 and a half at Tennessee. Florida ended up getting the cover last week against Kentucky and Gainesville, but they didn't really look all that crisp doing it. Uh, Dan Mullins actually made some comments about how he feels like his team, particularly their defense has regressed. I am very clear eyed on Tennessee. I see through their bullshit hype every single year. I call it out every single preseason. It feels like, but they're getting a lot of points here at home. And a Florida team that's kind of due for a trap disappointment, maybe even an outright loss. I see this as a close win with some value on Tennessee's just straight up at 17 and a half. If you tease that, I'm going to feel really good about it. Western Michigan is an, is a favorite this, uh, this week. I believe they're playing Eastern Michigan. I kind of like, uh, numbers around 14. If you tease that down to less than a touchdown, Boy, I would really be feeling good then because Western Michigan, 4-0. I'm 3-1 against the spread off the top of my head. Uh, Eastern Michigan, not really all that good at all. Haven't covered in two or three games at this point. So just getting that number a little bit lower might be good. And I, I don't know enough about Michigan directional school rivalries to know how intense that is. But I would just feel better if the number was a little softer. Marshall's playing Rice. It's in Huntington. Marshall's been really, really good this year. Very consistent. The number is 23 and a half, which is pretty high. I still don't know what to do with this Rice team. Tease that down, getting it closer to 14. I'd feel really, really confident about it. And I mentioned the LSU game earlier as a potential uh, inclusion for, for the, a big dog teaser. Just to buy yourself a little extra insurance against that Alabama offense, you might want to think about jacking up the cost on that. Yeah, going back to I want to ask you a really quick thing about here college basketball before we wrap it up. But going back to that Western Michigan Eastern Michigan game, just pulled it up again on, on BetMGM. You mentioned if that number gets down a little bit, now we're down to thirteen. Uh, we'll see if it goes any lower than that. Before we wrap it here, you tweeted I think it was either this morning or last night about college basketball, and you mentioned that in a very unpredictable college basketball season, it was still really early, and you'll probably talk about this that here with your answer reading 
what you can thus far. And you said it's it's very clear what's being successful right now and what will be successful moving forward is underdogs and unders. Uh, you mentioned that you don't love the volatility with the money line favorites. Really quickly here, we'll get into more college basketball stuff in future episodes, and definitely when the football season wraps up, we'll get a lot deeper into this. But really quickly here, what are you seeing with that with underdogs and unders that makes you so confident betting that early in the season? Well, I think what it is, so I'll kind of give you the anecdotal evidence first that I was basing uh, that tweet around. I, yesterday, put a a nice card together for myself. I had kind of a light day, and I I wanted to fuck around a little bit with... uh, with what I was doing gambling-wise and, and try a couple experimental things. So, you know, I hit a middle that was really nice that I felt good about. And I did my normal thing that I've, I've talked with you about a ton off the air and that I, you know, I tell a lot of friends about that are close and kind of tail some of the things that I do. I build these really elaborate college basketball parlays where I get up early in the morning, I research certain mid-level money line picks, I, I build it very intricately, very carefully, and then somewhere around... 11 to noon a.m. Eastern. I'll lock it in. So yesterday, uh, Tuesday, I build this parlay. It's UNC Greensboro, St. Mary's, Alabama, George Washington, Dayton, and Washington. That's a 16 parlay. All favorites uh, whose money line value was between minus 500 minus minus 2,000. Most of them were in that minus 500 to minus 1,500 range. Uh, Dayton was up closer to, to 2,000. That's kind of what I like to do, and I like to get around plus 100 odds. So I put these favorites together, and I end up getting what is close to a straight bet. What ended up happening is I had, I want to say, two outright losses and then a third game that got pushed and didn't even get played. Uh, But no, it, it was just three losses. Winthrop beats Greensboro. Uh, Hampton beats George Washington, and then UC Riverside just demolishes Washington. That one was particularly confusing. There's always volatility, especially early on, because we think we know who's good, and in a sport with 350-some-whatever teams, there's there's always going to be sea changes. There's always going to be, be a team that's been bad for 10 years and is suddenly good inexplicably. They got a new coach. They got, you know, a player that, that grew six inches over the summer. What I, you know, just crazy bullshit happens all the time, every year. But you can usually start to figure that stuff out. This year, I'm looking around thinking, I have no idea what's happening with these each, with these individual rosters. I don't know who's playing. I don't know who's healthy. I don't know who's a late scratch. I don't know whose girlfriend was in the hospital because she had a false positive the night before. Like, all this stuff is ridiculous. So, I always try to say, like, hey, you and I get it. Like, we're not losing track of the bigger picture. And, you know, we we understand that sports and sports gambling is so secondary to all this other stuff that's more serious. But specifically on the sports gambling topic, it's just too much volatility to be relying on money lines even more so than usual. So I just don't want to get into all that this year. I, I want to try to look for better opportunities in the market uh, th- that maybe are tied to COVID, but go in my favor instead of against my favor. So I'm looking at totals and how those things are affected by a completely different crowd environment. 
Is that going to favor the over? Is that going to be, is it going to favor the under? How much of that is already being baked into the number that I'm getting when I log into the sports book and look at what I can take? Uh, I'm still assessing some of that, but what I've seen so far is that there is some value on the unders. I think I've been playing mostly unders and I've had some good success so far. Uh, I've, I've got four on the, on the hook for today. One of which is being played right now, Montana State and Pacific. Uh, it's 35-32 early into the second half. So I feel pretty good about that one. Uh, the number's 134. Nobody signed up for this podcast to listen to Pacific Totals. Anyway, it feels like unders of the move, and because of all the volatility with the money line stuff and the favorites and everything, it feels like outright dogs might have even more value than usual. The tough part, especially with the underdog, is, hey, how can we figure out which underdog is the one that's going to hit that day? I don't have a good answer for you yet on that. I would be maybe uh, inclined to be a little more conservative and just play more point spread underdogs because there is going to be that increased capacity for close games and upsets. Maybe I can't identify, you know, if my alma mater JMU is going to beat Maryland this Saturday in a game that was set up 96 hours before it's supposed to be played, maybe I can't figure all that stuff out, but maybe there is value in just taking point spreads and holding on and seeing what happens. And like I said, we're going to get more into this. Uh, I mean, this will still be football, still be college football and probably sprinkle a little NFL stuff in here um, as we go on with the season. But when college football wraps up, we'll kind of replace the betting part of this episode specifically which which uh, excuse me with college basketball stuff and then we'll get more into that but we will be back on Monday morning uh, looking back at week 14 at that point we will know if Ohio State is still eligible for the Big Ten championship game and probably have some scenarios to talk about regardless if they are or if they are not eligible for the Big Ten championship game and then we'll look ahead to the playoff rankings coming on Tuesday and what is coming in college football in week 15 and then back here one week from now looking at week 15 lines in college football thank you for listening to the high motor podcast i saw a friend today it had been a while and we forgot each other's names but it didn't matter because deep inside the feeling still remained the same We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces